those wins are real confidence builders. And then you get to a point where you need to figure out how to do something you've never figured out before. And you look back and you say, you know what? I've done a lot of things I didn't know how to do before. I just kind of figured it out along the way. I asked for help. I asked for directions. I asked how to turn on the light. That's the roadmap that's probably not worthy of a, of a book. <laughs> Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for people just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show their value, and lead with their brand towards their next career breakthrough. You know, this is the end of Women's History Month, and we have been celebrating for the last 30 days. We have showcased some of my favorite female voices from the Lead With Your Brand podcast, and these are women who continue to share their wisdom and move their industries forward. Now, make sure that you visit leadwithyourbrand.com backslash women to listen to these amazing episodes, including all of our episodes from this month, including Jill Kargman, the hilarious best-selling author and star and executive producer of Odd Mom Out, Joanne Tabalaya Murphy from Walmart, and the amazing Paula Madison, who is the former chief diversity officer of NBC Universal, and in her retirement, still running amazing entertainment and media businesses. And today, I'm excited to talk with the fabulous Cameron Dillavu, who is the head of Global Prime Video Brand Strategy at Amazon. You know, it's one thing to honor Women's History Month, and it's quite a different thing to take action and make sure that we are driving equity regardless of gender. And that is why I am taking a stand, and I'm going to extend my male privilege by committing right here and right now to ensure that we have gender equity on the Lead With Your Brand podcast. That's right. I am committing to have no less than 50% of my guests be amazing leaders who just happen to be women who are leading with their brand every single day and driving amazing career and industry breakthroughs. Now, as we close out the month, I want to give a shout out to another woman who has really changed my life, my perspective, and even my career. And that is Lori Jean, who is the CEO of the Los Angeles LGBT Center, which many of you know I am proud to serve on the board of directors. Now, I have known Lori Jean for years, probably the past 20 years, as a member of the community, as a donor to the organization, and all of that. But it's really been in the past 11 years where I've been proud to serve on the board that I've really been able to see her in action, both as a brand influencer in the LGBTQ plus community, as well as a amazing executive 
of what is the world's largest organization serving the LGBTQ plus community. Now, the thing that I really love about Lori is that she has been able to build a career at the intersection of her talents, her passion, and the needs of society. And what she's really done is created a brand and a career that serves all three of those purposes. You see, Lori is really trained as a lawyer. She brings all of these amazing talents and skills around creating an argument, understanding the law, understanding equity, and then she's combined it with her passion for the LGBTQ plus community and her passion to drive diversity and inclusion. But you know what? Those two things together only work when there's a need. And what Lori has been amazing at is finding those needs within our community and finding those organizations that need her and her special skill set. And as she comes into her final year as CEO, because she's finally retiring after an amazing, amazing career, it's really exciting to see how she's teaching the next generation of leaders to do the same thing. Now, this is really one of those key elements of the lead with your brand system, because you've got to find that special intersection of your talents, passions, and really the market industry or your organization's needs. Now, a few years ago, when I took the leap and launched my own business, I was inspired by Lori Jean's entrepreneurial spirit, right? She really runs a business as an entrepreneur. She is constantly thinking like a CEO, but keeping all of those elements in balance. And I thought to myself when I was launching my business, you know what? This is something that I can do because this is something that is at the intersection of what I'm great at. I'm great at speaking. I'm great at teaching. I'm great at being out there with the people. And what is my passion? I love teaching. I'm passionate about helping people find their true brand voice. But ultimately, I was able to see, you know what? There's a need out there that I can serve. I can serve individuals. I can can serve businesses, and through Lori's inspiration, I've also found that I can use those same talents and passions to serve in volunteer capacities to meet the needs of those who are not as fortunate as us. I am super excited about today's guest. It is Cameron Dillavu, who is the head of Prime Video Global Brand Strategy at Amazon. Now, she leads global brand strategy with an emphasis on establishing the brand as a streamed entertainment leader in emerging high-growth territories and building the internal infrastructure that drives that type of impactful, locally relevant marketing campaigns. Now, before Amazon, Cameron's had an amazing career in brand management leadership at brands like Neutrogena, where she was in charge of franchises like Norwegian Formula, Body Oil, and Rain Bath, and at 20th Century Fox Home Entertainment, where she was overseeing tentpole franchises like the Bond films, Avatar, X-Men, and The Kingsman in over 100 markets around the globe. We'll be back in just a few moments with Cameron Dillavu from Amazon Prime. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. 
He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I am super excited for our fabulous guest today. It is Cameron Dillavu, who is the head of Prime Video Global Brand Strategy at Amazon. Cameron, how are you? I'm so excited to be here. Hi. Thrilled. I know. It's like. Yes, it's like we haven't seen each other since, like, lockdown. So, like, you know, a couple Christmases ago, it feels like. We did not get our Christmas party catch-up in this year. No, I know. So, this is our chance to catch up, and we're all here to talk about leading with your brand and great career breakthroughs. So, as someone that has worked in the business, you know, I have to ask you, when you meet people that don't know who you are, don't know what you do... How do you explain what you do to them? So I don't like to talk about work a lot, but one thing that tends to happen to me when I meet people for the first time and chat with them is that they tend to walk away thinking that I'm this incredible extrovert, which could not be farther from the truth. I actually am, am a really strong introvert, but I have over the years really through a lens of customer obsession. And that brand thinking, when I talk to people, I tend to ask a lot of questions about them and talk about them. And not only do people love that and think that I'm a great (laughs) conversationalist, I'm not. They just like to talk about themselves. Um, But they walk away thinking like, that was the best conversation ever. Meanwhile, I said nothing. And so I think, (laughs) you know, I'm thinking less about myself in those initial conversations and more about interest in the person that I'm talking to. And That is sort of, I have an outward focus that way that I think permeates um, personal and professional interactions. So I love that. It's sort of like, you know, the secret to your success is being a great uh, interviewer and and bringing people in by letting them talk about themselves. Yeah, because I don't like attention. So (laughs) the best way to divert attention from yourself is ask people about themselves and they love it. Okay, see, look, we're already getting t- that's tip number one for all of our all of our listeners. And I mean, you work in streaming, you work at Amazon Prime, right? It's like I feel like we live using your services, right? Whether that's buying and transacting things like books and products that we need to be safer at home or like cuddling up on the couch and watching the amazing filmed content that you have. How do you how do you describe to people what it is that you and your team do over at Prime? Yeah, I mean, I've had a number of roles there in the time that I've been here, but Really, the the consistent thread through that is how do we make our service something that is dearly loved by customers around the world and a must-have? So the way I describe it is really when, when a customer sits down on the couch, I want them to start with Prime Video because I want them to be convinced that no matter what it is, they want to watch whatever mood they're in, whoever they're with on the couch watching something, they're going to find it if they start with us. And so that's really... Getting people into that mindset is what I do. And so right now I actually have a focus outside of the US and I am looking at not just you know new and emerging markets and how do we build brand love there, but also markets where we've been for a while. And it's like, how do we how do we get closer to customers? How in a environment of increased competition do we generate that brand love and that, you know, just engagement that make people come back over and over and, and keep us top of mind? 
Yeah. So talk to me as a brand marketer and a brand manager. How would you describe your brand as Brand Cameron? Yeah. So first of all, Brand Cameron is hilarious. Um, (laughs) So when you asked me to do this, I asked my husband, what do you think my brand is? And he goes, it's getting done. And I go, no, that's every woman who's ever lived. That is not my brand. (laughs) Preach. Okay. So, um, that's just like baseline. I think, you know what? I, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's wholly ownable as my personal brand, but I do think that's something that when I think about maybe what's different about me in a lot of settings or unique is that I really am not afraid to be pretty vulnerable and authentic and admit that I don't know things and sort of ask a lot of questions. And it took a long time to build the confidence to go in and look vulnerable and like I might not have all the answers. And so I think when I think about kind of the way that I that I work, and it also comes from working globally, there's such humility that you have to have because you're never going to know more about another place than the person who lives there or the customer that lives the experience. So you really have to come from this place of just being so curious and learning and just acknowledging that you're not there with a bunch of answers. You might have a lot of experience that you'll bring to the table to help you ask good questions and to help move the discussion or the decision to the next level, but no one has all the answers. And so to come in and, you know, sort of say that, I think for a woman is actually a little unique because for so long, women had to be, you know, twice as convicted and twice as, you know, tough in their recommendations and show this backbone. And and to not do that, I think, is different in a lot of circumstances. Yeah. And you talked about that vulnerability, that humility was something that you had to learn or you had to learn to be comfortable with. So so walk me through sort of that process for you where now it feels like a calling card. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a weird thing to say that confidence actually helps you be more vulnerable in a way. Mm. But you get to a point, you know, throughout so like how many mishaps do we all have in our careers, right? And again, I'm going to go back to working and and living abroad and internationally and and again being in this position where I'm I'm on my own I'm in another country I'm you know doing a project in Tokyo or Moscow so like really on you know unfamiliar ground and I'm somehow supposed to go into this office and be like okay everybody here's what we're going to do <laughs> and so meanwhile you're like I'm trying to figure out how to turn on the lights in this hotel room that's a real example <laughs> That you have to put the key card in. Okay, so, but you have to learn that, right? Like, (laughs) that that is a learned experience, and you know what I'm talking about. Because we've, I've sat in the dark for a whole night once. (laughs) But, you know, those are the things you learn. And so, what you learn is one, you, you have to ask for help. Otherwise, you'll never get anywhere. You'll never find the right train. You'll never get to the office. You'll never figure out how to turn on the lights. And so that really sort of, you're like, okay, this is how we're going to do it. And I remember thinking to myself, whenever I had sort of a tough decision to make or, you know, something tough that I had to figure out, I would say, God, how did I, how did I figure out the last tough decision? And it's always like, you know what, you just work through it and you figure it out along the way, which is not like an easy prescription for success, but every win that you have under your belt, even though it's 
messy, not perfect, um, builds your confidence. And so you go abroad, you do one trip, you come back and you're like, I did that. I made it. I turn mm-hmm. on the lights um, <laughs> and it goes from like low bar to I'm terrified to go speak at this, you know, at this conference. I'm terrified to give this presentation. I'm terrified that all these people are judging me to, well, hopefully someone in there will will like it and it'll be a value. And you know what? It, it will be. And you'll build your confidence and nothing happens. You don't burst into flames and you just kind of keep going. And so those like wins are real confidence builders. And then you get to a, you know, you get to a point where you need to figure out how to do something you've never figured out before. And you look back and you say, you know what? I've done a lot of things I didn't know how to do before. I just Mm -hmm. kind of figured it out along the way. I asked for help. I asked for directions. I asked how to turn on the light. That's the, that's the like roadmap. That's probably not worthy of a, of a book. (laughs) Or you'd be surprised, right? (laughs) Maybe that's the title of the book. Exactly. How I turned on the lights in Tokyo, right? (laughs) (laughs) Cameron, give me give me three words that you would use to describe your brand or maybe that other people use to describe you. Yeah, I think um, one, I'm really direct, mm. um, which uh, is funny because it's appreciated when you work with non-native English speakers. But when you work with people in the U.S., you get asked questions like, are you from New York? Which is a, another way of saying you're really direct. <laughs> and then I say, I'm from Pasadena. And that really throws everything. <laughs> I'm, I think I'm also just really empathetic and I try to understand and I think I, I try to sort of figure out what people's motives are and what they're trying to achieve and not necessarily focus directly on what is said or how someone is acting, but like, you know, what's behind it. Mm-hmm. And I kind of hate the word authentic because that's not helpful because everyone is authentic in a different way. But I think I definitely show up like warts and all, you know, where I'm like pretty honest about what I don't know and, you know, where I think there'll be challenges. And so I'm, I think I'm, I'm pretty, um, I am, I'm pretty authentic in that way. I don't, I'm definitely not like, I, I never walk around feeling like I'm super polished. I have probably a thousand stories about, you know, one day when I was walking to work and I, was I always wore really big heels. That was back when I wore shoes. I'll never wear shoes again. <laughs> That's the benefit of the pandemic, right? Oh my gosh, yes. I was like walking out of my apartment like, you know, 12 years ago with these really high shoes on and feeling like a million dollars and I t- fell over. I fell down <laughs> on the sidewalk and my bag contents went everywhere and I was like, this is, I was like high and low, you know? So... <laughs> So tell me, it's so interesting to have direct and empathetic together, right? Or direct and sort of the the imperfection of the authenticity that you're talking about showing up warts, warts and all. How do you balance those two things? How How as a leader and an executive do you balance being direct and then still bringing the empathy? Yeah, it's a really good question. And you do it differently in different cultures. Like I got a great piece of feedback when I was working in Japan where someone said to me, we're very confused by you because you give bad news sometimes or like tough feedback, but you smile while you do it. So we're not sure what's going on. It's really confusing. And I got it in Moscow too, where we were walking through a market once and, and all we were, it was a pirate DVD market. I was walking with our sales guy and the 
people working there speak like 40 languages. So they were trying out all their languages on me and they're all speaking English. I'm like, how do they know I speak English? And he's like, because <laughs> you're smiling. Like, <laughs> so I think it's because I think partially being direct is a, is a balance between I'm a woman. I have blonde hair. I smile a lot, but like, I will also give it to you directly. And I, that's how I think I, you know, sort of say I have experience. Like I, you know, I'm, I know kind of where it's all coming from. And so you can still be kind and, you know, not authoritative in your style, but still be direct. And I really like that directness because I think it just gets rid of a lot of confusion. I always have just resonated with like a direct style, which, you know, earlier in years, I was like, gosh, maybe it's, I just have like this really masculine style. And, it, and then I just realized it wasn't, it was just direct. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's really those things working together that make it authentically you, right? Yeah. If I was like more hardcore and not so smiley and didn't wear dresses all the time and was as direct as I am, like, I don't know if it would be received the same way. Like it's about the it's about how everything works together. And so, and sometimes I have to soften it and sometimes I have to, you know, make it even more direct. So it's really, that's where the empathy I think comes in. You have to take the temperature on the room and really adjust for those circumstances and sort of feel like what's needed in this situation. Where do I need to dial up? Where do I need to dial back? Read the room, you know, and as an introvert, my whole life is about reading the room, right? Because I don't want the attention on me. It's like, how do I read the room so I can be properly outwardly focused? And I love how you describe that as volume dials, right? It's like choosing what of my superpowers or super strengths am I going to lead with that strategically gets to what's going to help me be successful in the situation. Yeah, yeah. And I think, too, you... um it's <laughs> You don't always guess correctly, right? Because you're trying to rely on your past experience. But as you come up through your career, you find yourself in situations where you haven't found yourself earlier in your career. You have different rooms, you have mm-hmm. different dynamics. And, you know, I've experienced that in lots of ways. And especially when you change companies and you change culture, it's like, is this the kind of company where I speak first in a meeting? Or is this the kind of company where I speak last in a meeting? Does the most junior person speak first or do they speak last? Like it's, it's like different cultures. It's like assimilating Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out the rules and every meeting and every room that you have is kind of like being in a little different country where you have to think about what are the rules of engagement here and how does it all work? And when you're new and it's a new situation, you have nothing to base it on. You don't have experience. Yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit about your career because one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is that you have this great career you know, leading what I would say is like iconic brands, right? Whether it's in our traditional heritage entertainment properties to, you know, Neutrogena in the consumer packaged world to now really sort of that hybrid of technology delivering entertainment experiences. So Cameron, for you, what have been some of the biggest career breakthrough moments for you where where you kind of leveled up or, or you felt like you had arrived and moved to something really significant for you? <laughs> My God, I'm waiting for that day. <laughs> I'll let you know when it comes. I continue to look forward to its arrival. It's really interesting. I, I was I was thinking to myself, sort of in preparation for this, I used to, you know, even when I was young, be really fascinated in how people 
ended up in the jobs that they got into. And I, I used to ask adults all the time, like, so how did you know that like doing that was even a job? How did you know? How do you know what jobs there are? How do you know, you know, you're kind of like, there's stuff you're good at, but is that what you should make a career out of? And like so many opportunities just aren't things that you would naturally sort of gravitate towards. And so I would say that (laughs) I wish I could say like, well, I had a plan and I wrote down my goals and I just went and did that. That is totally not what happened (laughs) Um, at all. I'm sort of someone who believes that when you're ready, the right thing kind of shows up and, you know, you might need a nudge. But, you know, I went to graduated from undergrad and I worked at an internet think tank and I worked in nonprofit and those were fine. And I didn't know what I did want to do, but I knew I didn't want to do that. And so, but it's hard. It's really easy to know what you don't want to do. It's really hard to know what you do want to do. Yeah. So um, like anyone who doesn't know what they want to do, I went to grad school. And I was like, let's buy myself some more time here. And I went to grad school. And I think that's really where I felt like the world opened up to me. Like I finally understood like what kinds of jobs there were. And not just because I was in school, but just the people that I met there and the kind of jobs they had had and the kinds of people they were. And, uh, you know, and, you know, I went to USC for business school and I had this amazing group of, you know, cohorts who had come from all kinds of backgrounds. Like the first woman I met, who's like one of my best friends to this day was brewing beer before business school. I mean, it totally changed the way that I thought about, you know, what kinds of jobs there were. And so my boyfriend in business school had come from marketing. Like I didn't know about marketing. I didn't know what marketing people did. I knew about advertising, but I didn't really understand marketing. And he he had worked in marketing. He was like, Hey, you'd probably be pretty good in marketing. Like you should try that. And uh, so I was like, okay, it's good as anything else. And so I tried to get an internship between my first and second years of business school. It was at the height of the dot-com boom and no one would hire me because I had no marketing experience prior to business school. Mm. But I'm like, I have to see if this marketing thing is like fun and if I enjoy it. So I literally spent five months just calling up companies and offering to work for free. And I called UPS, like the downtown office on Olympic. And I was like, hi, (laughs) would you like a marketing MBA intern for the summer? And they're like, well, we don't know what that is, but if you want to come down, great. And literally, and I did, and I had the most amazing experience and it's such a fascinating company and marketing does really fascinating things there. And it's just from a management standpoint, I like, I loved everything about it. And I was like, okay, like, yes. Yes, I feel like this is kind of where my people would be in marketing. And and then I went back to school. But what I I wanted to do marketing in a category that I was interested in. So I sort of suffer from like I can't be engaged if if it's boring to me. Like I mm-hmm. could there's so many things I just couldn't com- kinds of companies I don't think I would be good at because I'm just not interested. I'm I'm not it's not an emotional product. Like I really need an emotional product that is somehow transformative, but that you speak to people in really emotional ways and they have deep connections to it. And I I couldn't market stuff that isn't a product like that. It's just not that interesting to me. I want to change people's behavior and I want to change the way that they like feel about something really deeply. And so I remember I just was in interviews for all these companies and I was, I was interviewing with Neutrogena 
And it was kind of the only company that I was like interested in. And I didn't know what I would do if, you know, it didn't work out. And I remember my, and there were, I had to come back like five times, like their scheduling was a nightmare. And I was like, this is very disorganized. <laughs> and I came back and I remember I had such a bad cold at my fifth interview that I was like, I had taken a bunch of Sudafed. And so I was even more like real <laughs> than I usually am. I was like punchy and like really kind of letting it all hang out. And, and I left that interview and I was like, this is not like, this is going to be a disaster. And I got the job. <laughs> All hopped up on cold medicine, kids. There's the lesson. <laughs> no. But um, so I got to Neutrogena and I, you know, had total imposter syndrome. Like, got there and, and you know, felt like everybody was speaking a different language and they all knew about things and approaches and frameworks and ways of thinking. And I just had no idea what anybody was talking about. Mm -hmm. And... I just sort of decided that what I did know about was like leaning into understanding the customer and understanding what they wanted and what they felt about things and like letting that kind of be my guiding light. And all of the other stuff would hopefully fall into place. Like it was painful, but like, you know, growth is painful and it's not very pretty. So like high growth, low prettiness time. <laughs> I had amazing, like an amazing group of colleagues there who like smartest people most driven, still so close to them all um, today. So that really, you know, that I think that generosity um, in the workplace and, and helping me grow was just so transformative. And then mm -hmm. really learning, like, guess what? I can think of a product, make a product and launch a product that you see on the shelves and you buy and I make a TV commercial for. Like, I can do that. Who knew? it's exciting. Like I can launch whole new lot. I can do all these things. And I think it was just really, I sort of surprised myself because I didn't know it was a thing and I didn't know I could do it until I did it. And then I did it and I did it some more. So that was kind of like Neutrogena and I, and I just, it was an amazing experience. And so, so that was in around, so around 2007, I'm from LA. I knew I wanted to stay in LA. Most packaged goods was leaving LA Neutrogena wanted me to move to Minneapolis, I think, and manage like the Target business. And I don't own closed-toed shoes. Like I can't live in Minneapolis. <laughs> it's cold. It's not the place for me. And so I realized like, oh, okay, this is like a nudge. Like I have to start thinking about what I'm going to do next. And I said, well, it's, you know, if I want to live in LA, I should look at entertainment. And a lot of people will tell you, well, you can't just go work in entertainment. Like it's right. Nobody does that. The barriers are so high. Yeah. You haven't earned yeah. your stripes, oh right? My gosh. Like you, you, you know, didn't get people thing. coffee. My God. Let me just tell you, anyone who's listening to this, there's a lot of bad advice out there. Like, of course you can. Of course you can. You can go work in anything. It took me a long time. You know, I had to like talk to a lot of people and reach out and find out what kind of jobs there were. And then again, like, the universe just kind of delivered and the head of our HR went over to be the head of Fox. And there was a role that opened up and I reached out to him and I went over to Fox as the director of international marketing on the home entertainment business in the days of physical media, DVDs and Blu-rays. In the good old days, right? Ooh, yeah. And those were good days. Like those were, those were really fun, expansive days where business is growing and, you know, they're spending money and we're, investing in big ad campaigns. And I'm working on 
amazing IP. And so making a switch from CPG, which is truly consumer focused, to the film business, which is creator focused. I mean, this is a long time ago. It's changed now. Streaming has changed that game. But it was creator focused. And then it was like, here's a movie, market that, right? And so- And you had big franchises, right? Like Bond and X-Men and Avatar. I mean, these are big, iconic IPs. Yeah, with like a million people, you know, working on this across the world and and, in LA. And so that I was a little bit, I think, trying to just figure out like in this new world, how is the consumer represented? Where is the consumer represented? Where do they come into the process? How do we think about what they want? And then I sort of realized, you know, there's how do you marry up like when there's business objectives and there's consumer objectives, like how do you have an honest conversation about that and marry them up so that you're able to serve the purposes? And that's kind of the magic of marketing, right? Yeah. And that came very sharply into focus when, you know, the the home entertainment market went from physical to digital. And that change really propelled a lot of reflection and a shift back to more consumer insights. So for instance, in the physical world, we understood how consumers shop to store. Yeah. Um, and we understood, you know, why they went in and who they went in with and what they considered. And then in this digital world, I think in the beginning, we thought it'll be the same as the physical world. The same lovers will pull, you know, we'll, we'll, um, we'll try all the traditional things. We realized, you know, people behave differently there. And so we need to learn about, we need to relearn about them a little bit and, and, you know, what their options are and how they think about this. And, when are the when are the really high emotion moments when we need to appeal to them? So that's fun for me. So that was still interesting. I still thought it was fun. <laughs> and I was there and for a really look. It was. Yeah. I mean, I was there for eleven years. No yeah. one worked in a company for eleven years anymore. <laughs> but they kept coming up with like really cool things for me to do, and I got to work abroad, which was amazing, and work with our teams in market, which was amazing, and um, just so much learning. Like, I was learning, and I felt like because I was learning, I was super happy. And then, and, you know, oh, sorry, did you want to, did you want to oh, no. get in a word at your, in your own podcast? <laughs> I was just going to ask, yeah, I mean, so how did you, how did you land at, you know, the big guy, right? At, at, at Amazon, kind of in the crux of this entire transition. Yeah. So it's, we, it's a weird story. So basically at the end of the Fox days, I was getting a little bit bored and I, you know, the business was different. I wasn't able to be as creative. I think it was just, I wasn't having as much fun I think the Disney Disney merger was announced, but it had just been announced. But like that, you know, that was a, a big unknown still. So I actually went to work in the cannabis business and I did. What? Um, I know. Surprise. Shocker. And, <laughs> um, and she's and I from Pasadena. A, I know. I know. No, but I did a, a consulting. I did a little consulting work for a company that had both medical and recreational cannabis brands. And they really wanted to kind of tie them up under one umbrella and think about, you know, what does that look like? What does that feel like? What is that brand? You know, how do we talk about that as a, as a thing? What's our point of difference? All the kind of marketing things. And I was like, this, so this is fun. And cannabis is a fun business. It's got like super <laughs> bananas people. 
really creative and you've got this mix of like OG cannabis people and then all these kind of traditional CPG people that they're bringing in. And so there's this tension, which I love because I love to lean into tension. It's my favorite thing. And it's just really creative and interesting and passionate and people are super emotional about it. Good, bad, you know, the other. And the whole industry is about regulating your emotion. And and so that I'm like, I'm all in. This is super fun. <laughs> And it was just a short-term consulting gig, but it sort of, that was what propelled me out of Fox um, to do this. And then was doing that. And honestly, on a Wednesday morning, I got an email from Amazon that was like, hey, I had never considered them as an employer. Like, could not, I could not be less of a traditional tech person. Um, they were like, hey, we, we have this international role in Prime Video. Do you want to talk to us about it? And I was like... I mean, I should probably take their call, right? Like, <laughs> you think? Um, and you know what? I like the hiring manager called me and we totally connected, like just had a great, you know, conversation. And I was like, oh, he's like a regular. I don't know who I thought worked there, but like we, we had a great conversation, totally connected. And it's like, yeah, come on in. And <laughs> I feel sort of silly that like I kind of just wasn't like, I guess I wasn't psyched out about like that it was a big deal or that Amazon had this approach to advertising or whatever. I was like, I kind of felt like I'm going to go in and see what they're all about. And they're going to see like what I'm all about. So in a way I wasn't maybe super invested in the outcome. So it took some of the pressure off, but I went in and again, like you're, I just had real conversations with real people where they were like, you know, asking about things. And I was like, oh, like, let me tell you about how this works or doesn't work. And they're all kind of like, oh, okay, like crazy lady, but she could work here. <laughs> and I got the job. And, and I, and I was like, I'm going to work at Amazon. And everyone was like, huh, we did not see that coming at all. And I did, I'll never forget. I, I did, um, I'm based in LA where the prime video team is. Um, but I did my first week up in Seattle at like the mothership. And so I, I like, you know, go up to Seattle. I do this week in Seattle and I fly home on Friday night and my husband's like, how is it? And I was like, oh yeah. So like, no, just hard. No, not no. He was like, what, what's going on? And I was like, I am, I've like, I've landed on Mars. Like, I don't think these are my people. Like, I don't understand anything that's going on. I can't, it's not the language that I know. Like it really is so foreign to me. I mean, I really just am like so struggling um, to understand. And Amazon is a high custom, high ritual kind of company. And I did mm -hmm. know that, but I was just like, these, like, I don't, they don't look like me. Like no one sounds like me. There's no women here. I mean, there are women here, but you know, you're like counting the women in every meeting. Um, and so I, I left and I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to approach this. Like I'm, I'm working abroad. Um, just like I do. And I'm going to listen and ask questions and write stuff down and like go back to the basics and figure out how the lights work. And that's kind of what I'm still doing three years later, like trying to figure it out. And the great thing is Amazon's got this amazing culture where you're supposed to ask questions and be curious and you get rewarded for that. And you get rewarded for trying to understand things and you are encouraged to dig deeply into things that, you know, don't seem clear and not you and not communicate in ways that aren't clear. So like I'm in this place where directness is, is valued. I just couldn't see all of that in the beginning. You, you can't tell yeah. you have to, you have to scratch the surface. So yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know that you could replicate that wonky path, but there it is. 
Yeah. But it's interesting that you ultimately found a culture that values the things that you're really great at. Well, I hope so. I hope they, I mean, (laughs) I feel comfortable there. Um, (laughs) And so I do, you know, I do think that in a lot of ways, at first I was like, this tech company thing scares me. But now I realize that it's a lot like maybe not speaking English is your first language. Like, the communication style is really laid bare because it's a lot of engineers. And so it's like, you know, if you're writing code, it's pretty like cut and dry. And so what's the equivalent of that in in conversation? It's being direct. And so like no one was freaked out by that. And and that was really interesting and different and encouraged. And, you know, when it's directed at me, like I love being that way, but when it's directed at you, sometimes you're like, oh, that's so, so direct, like harsh. Like, I don't, I'm not saying I love being on the receiving end of that directness, but I do feel comfortable being like that there. Yeah. So a couple of final questions for you. You talk about customer obsessed. So as a customer, what brand are you obsessed with? What can't you live without? Don't laugh at this, but like my favorite brand during the last year has been Steakum on Twitter. Nathan Allenbach. <laughs> I know. See, but you're going to go look it up after this. I'm telling you. I this. am. So Nathan Allenbach is the guy, the social media manager behind the Steakum. I've never eaten Steakum in my life. I only understand it to be a frozen flat meat. But all of a sudden, this brand's handle on Twitter is commenting on social issues in this like, incredibly insightful, emotional human way. And I was like, here I am, someone totally uninterested in the product. I want to engage with you. I want to know more about, I care about what Steakum thinks. Like that is really hard to do. Really Mm -hmm. hard. And you know why? Because they're not trying to sell you Steakum. They're like just trying to be relevant. And in that quest for relevance, they've sort of brought this whole new generation audience. And some of them will buy frozen flat meat, I think. I don't know. It's just amazing. (laughs) Well, I'm going to have to try that. If you were a type of car, what type of car would you be? I think I'd probably be like a Land Rover Defender. You know, I'd be super confident, like whatever the road ahead, that I could probably handle it. But like, I'd probably be muddy. I'd have some dents. Like, I'm not going to show up really shiny, but I'll make it to the other side of the road eventually. So I think that's probably what I would be. Mm, I love that. And finally, what is the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners today? Don't take no for an answer. There's, it's really easy to tell people that. I mean, it is true that it's hard to do a lot of things. And that's true. But if you're willing to put in the work, I honestly don't think that there are, there's much that you can't do. And, and put in the work. Like, do your homework. Talk to people. Build your relationships. But there, you know, the barriers aren't as high as people would like to think that they are. Everyone wants to think that there's somewhere that's very protected and special. But you know what? It's always hungry for new thinking, new talent, new ideas, new kinds of people. And those are the businesses that you would want to be in anyway. So don't, you know, don't listen to people tell you that it's it's not possible. Well, Cameron Dillavu, thank you for saying yes to being on the podcast. It was great connecting with you again. Thank you for having me. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? 
The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. I just loved talking to Cameron Dillavu. You know, all of her expertise as a brand marketer just works perfectly to think about what we can apply to ourselves. So many great nuggets, everything from how do you know your audience to what I was really intrigued with was this whole notion or analogy that she had of working abroad or working in a global uh, marketplace and really thinking about who's that audience. What it really made me think about is our whole notion in the lead with your brand system that ultimately leading with your brand is about selecting the right behavior at the right time with the right level of intensity, right? Do you have the volume dial up or down depending on the context of the situation? I love that Cameron really talked about this whole notion of being customer obsessed, and that's what we all must be as we lead with our brand to our next big career breakthrough. We've got to be obsessed with our customer, which is our career audience. You've got to know who they are, and you've got to be able to super serve them. And that's all going to take place by asking great questions and listening. Well, I can't think of a better guest to have on as our final episode of Women's History Month. But just because it's the end of Women's History Month doesn't mean that we are stopping looking for equality and ensuring that representation matters, because we're going to ensure that it's Women's History Month and an International Day of Women every single day of the year. Now, if you missed any of our fabulous episodes, make sure you check out leadwithyourbrand.com backslash women, where you will hear from amazing leaders who just happen to be women. These are folks that are being game changers in their industries and more importantly, the world. Well, we're out of time, but I'll see you next week. If you enjoyed the show, we would love for you to give us a rating as well as providing a review. Make sure to follow us on your podcast platform and make sure to follow me, Jason Patria, on social media platforms, all at Jason Patria. Make sure to check me out on LinkedIn where I share tons of advice and tips. And just remember, in your career, don't be a commodity worker like coffee. Make sure you are a super premium brand like Starbucks that knows your audience and is super serving them every single day. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.